Before we start this episode, I want to give a big shout out to Zipster, local web people who help entrepreneurs and artists make kick-ass websites and get found online. Visit Zipster.com to find out more information. And on to the episode. This is Elise Bird, and you're listening to Free Pizza Podcast. Free Pizza, your platform for creatives, and today we have the amazing Brittany Giroux in the room. What's up? Hey, thanks for having me. Of course. Um, you're not in a room. You're in Toronto, which is, wait, are you the first, you're the first Canadian interview. Okay. I feel honored. Absolutely. Yes. I hear Toronto. I, let me tell you before we jump into this, and I don't want to, you know, obviously talk about, you know, I want you to talk, not me, but Toronto is probably one of my top favorite cities in the whole world that I've visited so far. Yep. Um, I was it's going to offer. Yes. Yeah. I was going every two years. For gosh, for like three, or f- no, about five years. I was going every other year because my friend Charlotte lives there. Nice. And um, I went and visited her, and I was like, "Yo, I'm coming through as much as I can." <laughs> <laughs> Amazing place, full of beautiful people. It's very diverse. Um, and we met on Instagram. Yeah. That's how we connected, and I've you know I've always wanted to interview you, but you know finding finding the time to do it was uh you know partly my fault, but. <laughs> <laughs> but we're here so yes yeah, so Brittany, tell us what you do and uh tell us where you're from and we'll go from there for sure um so i am a brand designer design director working primarily uh agency side but i also have you know i dabble in some freelance stuff and i have some agency experience i've been doing this for like almost 10 years so it's been wow. a long time um i've been in the game but uh, I love it. It's like the, you know, my pride and joy is my is my career. So I've been kind of deep into uh, designing and mentoring and working with uh, mentoring students as well as junior designers and just kind of like leveling up my career over the years. Um, in terms of the brands that I work with, I'm, I'm working a lot in fintech, so design systems for Google, working with campaigns for Samsung, and just learning a lot about technology and how it kind of serves and helps uh, help society and people. So that's what I've been up to. Um, I'm based in Toronto, but I bounce around a lot to Vancouver, and I spend some time in in the States when I can. I'm going to Seattle in a few weeks for like a Google Summit. So yes. yeah, I've been busy. That's very busy, and you're also global. Like you said, you mentioned you bounce around, but you've worked with companies all over the world. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, I used to live in Germany, so I worked wow. in at a company called Trivago, and that was kind of like a lifetime ago, but it was amazing and kind of opened my eyes as a small town Canadian uh, living and working in, in Europe versus just backpacking or, or being a tourist. So that was pretty amazing. And um, yeah, I worked with like across lots of different time zones as a designer and creative consultant. So um, you know, I think the the furthest client I ever had was uh, the Korean team for Samsung, where we had to have our meetings stacked between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. So that was probably the craziest 
client I've ever had. But that sounds brutal. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't fun at the end of the workday where the people were so nice and accommodating, but they're coming in fresh faced with their coffee and we're hunkering down with like Ugh, I don't know, in our stretchy pants, having a Zoom meeting at 9 p.m. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so, yes, you've been all over. You worked in different environments. And that's awesome to work in different country to get the culture there and be able to use that, you know, to, you know, in Toronto and just having experiences all over is definitely very helpful, mm -hmm. I'm sure. Um, yeah. So let's dive back a little bit. Um, so where were you born? I was born in a small suburb of Toronto called Etobicoke. Okay. Um, yeah, it's uh, spelt kind of strange, but it's like a interesting little suburb that's kind of blown up. But um, yeah, I was born at in that suburb of Toronto and then from there lived in Toronto until I was a young child and then moved to a smaller town called Paris, Ontario, which is called the prettiest town in canada oh. it's very quaint and if you ever come to canada you should go because it's actually a very lovely place very picturesque um and yeah just kind of grew up there as a young kid and teenager and then moved back to toronto for school and did my thing in the in in art school and kicked it off then i love that okay perfect so was there any earlier art influence when you were, you know, during your upbringing in your adolescence or did that come later with school? Yeah, definitely. I think I, I started identifying as an artist once I realized how meditative it was mm. and how I really, as a child, didn't realize how somatic and physically like engrossing it was where I was a very introspective child very sensitive and I would really get lost in art painting pastels uh doing graphic arts and at the time I didn't know but I was also doing illustration so um making comic books and zines for people um designing characters and kind of different stylistic scenes for my friends and family um so that was a big part of my life from I would say probably 10 years old until I became an adult and wanted to kind of commoditize it and make it a career. But um, yeah, those early influences were coming from movies and just interesting film, but also um, magazines like Juxtapose and, mm -hmm. um, and different music influences as well. Of course, I was like, a typical stories, I was a very emo kid. Yes. Um, but emo music and screamo and like the hardcore scene is very influenced by art and poetry and books and literature. So that I feel like I felt a closer connection to the music and that fan that fandom. So um, being connected to to art influences from that was directly suggested from those bands was really um, you know where it jumped off and became almost like an obsession. I love that. It's cool. And on, on your website, you actually have a quote um, that I loved. Started drawing, never stops, naturally became a de designer. So it makes sense. <laughs> they started at that age. Yeah, and you, very natural thing. Yes. And, you, <laughs> and here you are. It's so cool. I love hearing people get influenced, for, especially movies and um, music. You know, I think that, that phase in our life. And I love that you're an emo kid. I feel like most of my guests are <laughs> or were. 
or still are. Um. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean that that direct correlation. I can see it. I, I have it. It's very vivid. Where you know, like bands like the Used partnered with mm. artists like Alex Pardee yes. and those iconic those iconic scenes. Um, still really prevalent uh, design illustrator in Oakland um, to this day, but still that put him on the map, but also helped put the use on the map. So that supportive system was, you know, I was just such a huge fan of it. It was this symbiotic relationship between artists and musician that, um, yeah, really it just kind of cemented that, that fandom even further. Yeah, absolutely. And this, the connection between tangible artists and music has always been a thing. That's why I love working with musicians because you really are working together to bring a set of songs to life. You know, and album covers and all that is just, I've, I love album covers and I love finding out who the artists are and all that. So I see what our influence is. So that makes a lot of sense of how that, you know, sparked some interest back in the day. Yeah. Yes. Totally. <laughs> yes. So going forward to to school. So obviously you were taking it seriously. You were drawing. Were you taking art classes in high school or, or what? Yeah. I mean, art, you kind of have the, the option in Canada to either take art or music and you have to pick some sort of creative stream. So obviously I picked art and actual drawing and painting and, and the production of, of physical art pieces. Um, but yeah, it just kind of came full circle where I was really um, would try and be more immersed in art culture versus just drawing in a particular style. And that that uh, that desire and that hunger to learn became even more um, cemented when I was about 16. I went to a university fair and I actually met with one of the registrars for SVA, which is School of Visual Arts in New York and really learned about what fine art was and this kind of definition of um, carving out a style for yourself as an artist versus trying to adopt other people's style of work or working um, to, you know, I guess, fit someone else's commercial style. And and that kind of is where it kicked off uh, for me. And then after, um, you know, in I wanted to stay within Canada, so I went to Sheridan College, which is actually one of the best animation schools to go to. I didn't go, I didn't take animation, but oh, it's, okay. kind of, <laughs> it's where um, they kind of recruit uh, for Pixar and Disney and stuff. So very rigorous kind of boot camp style art classes that were six hours and Ooh. learned a lot learn the foundation yeah it was pretty stressful kids hair is hair was falling out and losing sleep so that kind of kicked off went to Sheridan and then I went to U of T which was uh, a ton of fun um but again very rigorous and and more theory based uh for visual communications oh my god that sounds insane it's funny (laughs) because I moved to Savannah and SCAD is here, which is also a very oh. intense and known art school. Yeah, my friend Shay went to it. And they're like amazing. Yeah. So it's a good school. Absolutely. So yeah. I'm sure you're very happy you were challenged in your studies as well. Yes, totally. I think just picking the right school can set you on the right path. And um, and places like SCAD or or OCAD or, um, or U of T, they, the, the difference is that the professors are practicing artists artists themselves, yes. artists and designers, mm-hmm. which is so key for 
honing your craft, even learning what craft is in the sense that you have to do it every day. You have to be committed Um, and just really learning about the culture of what you're interested in, whether it's illustration or design and just learning how to research and build a process for yourself after being starting out as as a fledgling that that likes art and it really becomes a lifestyle. Those are the really the good schools that differentiate. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we have to talk about your time in the school, of course, and I'm definitely interested in hearing maybe some of the the good parts, obviously, but I want to keep it real and talk about some of the maybe the discouraging parts as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> were there any moments there where you were about to give it up or maybe you thought that w- wasn't the path for you? Um, I think I had a lot of anxiety going into it and a lot of imposter syndrome that I we 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 have this name for it now. We know what imposter syndrome is like we can, you know, psychoanalyze ourselves in that way. But uh, I didn't really know how to put a name to that and thinking that I was inadequate or not smart enough because I knew that I had some drawing chops and some ability to be a designer. But um, in terms of measuring up for people and my peers, I was very intimidated. Mm. So that was a really difficult thing that I think followed me. And then once the workload of, of and stress of school added to that, um, it was pretty difficult. I'm, I'm glad that I had a support system. I learned that in my final year that a support system, as in not just drinking friends, but yeah. family, coffee friends, study friends. And like that is just so key for people of any age, but especially in school where your whole lifestyle is based around this and you're balancing so much. Um, you know, I started what was really fulfilling for me and made it easier that that stress was tapping into the things that I was really good at. And that was talking to people and 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 um, collaborating and being around people. Right. And really feeding, getting um more energy from others versus studying by myself. So I joined like a tutoring program and I also got a job at a gallery so that I could part time sit in a gallery and be immersed in art, but also have the opportunity to talk to people about art. So that was really key. Um, another challenge I think too that that I faced and a lot of a lot of my peers did as well was just the systems of art are very elitist. Mm. You really can't succeed unless you have some sort of built-in privilege in that um, in that space. So knowing somebody um, within a network, having the capital or the financial support to have an unpaid internship, mm. they've, they've kind of gotten rid of them in the last couple of years, but they were really rampant when I was in school, getting a <laughs> photography internship, yep. uh, becoming a teaching assistant. I was an unpaid graphic designer for eight months at a place that didn't oh. even pay for my transit or my lunch. Like they didn't give a shit. It was so competitive um, that in the last, yeah, two years, it was just fighting for these unpaid internships and the people that were really succeeding and doing well, not to knock their intelligence or their ability, but um, it was really difficult to have like, okay, I have this degree for thousands of dollars Mm. and there's a professor sitting there saying, well, if you just waitress and work this unpaid internship, you'll be able to (laughs) do X, Y, Z and have those opportunities. And it's like, I don't want to fucking do that. I'm sorry. But like, no, it's just. Yeah, that sounds awful. 
yeah, you're fighting it while you're in it. So, oh my yeah. gosh, it is so annoying because sometimes professors are like, "Oh, I had to do that when I was younger." It was like, "What you don't you want it to be easier for us? Mm-hmm. Don't you want you to fight for? Hey, oh. we should get we should be getting paid for our time and get the experience." Yeah. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> my goodness. So wow, that sounds obviously in the classes you said were six hours long. Some yes. Of them. So you'd have like practicum and then you'd have uh you'd have theory. So theory usually you'd start and then you'd have a three hour class and then you'd have a two hour break and then you'd jump into practicum. So uh yeah, you'd have six hour classes. That is <laughs> that is so insane. So I'm curious with graphic design, and I have a couple of graphic design friends. But mm-hmm. when it came to your, I guess your final project, like, was that your, um, what, I forgot what we called them. We have capstones, obviously, but was there like a capstone? Thesis. Yes, thesis. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Even an undergrad thesis? Yeah. Okay, yes. For your final you know, thesis, how did that look? Like, was that, how was that process for you? So my, my thesis was um, based on a focus that was called design four, which meant that you were the most, you were taking um, a practicum, which is design, you're producing designs, you're doing graphic design, learning different techniques. But design four was, was yeah, I would guess you would consider a capstone of my university career where um, you choose a, the brief is kind of complicated, but you essentially choose a, um, a blank space or area in design. And then that teacher provides a brief for it. And then you have the opportunity to, to design against that. And what I did was I met with an author and I read a draft of their book and their novel. So I had to do some digging. I was really interested in editorial design. And what I did was from start to finish from the editorial um, reading of, of a draft novel to the actual publishing of, of the book, I was a, that uh, author's design partner. So that was the, the path that I chose oh. where we produced and uh, were able to publish this, this novel called The Breeze, which is um, not in circulation anymore, but that was my thesis, essentially learning how to design a book properly um, and source uh, vendors and partner with an author to learn the whole process from start to finish of how to how to make a book, essentially. No way. That's yeah. really cool. Do you still have those files? I want to see it. <laughs> oh, God, I don't even know. If you don't, it's OK. I was just, that just sounds very interesting. Uh, you can look I don't later. think I do. I'd have to dig it, dig through my G drive because now looking back on it, it was not good. But I was <laughs> happy with it. Yeah. Hey, that's the growth of an artist. That's the growth of an artist. That's that's usually our past work is usually like, oh my god, what was I thinking? But you passed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Were the critiques? How'd you handle feedback and critiques? You know, back then. Um, the teachers were pretty harsh. They were like, they were very honest, right? Um, and uh, but that. I critiques to me were always really long and to and there's this like weird kind of culture around people not wanting to speak up and actually give their peers criticism and talk things through. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. It's like people don't want to actually give feedback or even get it when you're that kind of young and inexperienced in, in art. So um, I think now 
the critique is so crucial to the process for successful design. Um, and I, it's taken a long time to learn that, but I think developing thick skin is really, is what critiques are for, like removing the emotional reaction that you might have to to the work that you are invested in in order to drive it and taking into consideration that like subjectivity can either can make your work really great or it can make it really bad if yeah. you aren't open to criticism absolutely yeah critiques are i used to hate critiques uh a lot and i used to honestly didn't see the point going to art school but as a <laughs> where did you go uh, I went to UNCG, um, and this art, actually, I studied IT. I didn't study art. Okay. Yeah, photography cool. is all self-taught, and um, I kind of wish I did, because after talking to a lot of, you know, guests like you, and I've talked to, you know, over 180 guests so far, art school oh. honestly sounds like it probably would have been very good. <laughs> and I'm kind of jealous that you guys went through it, but it's all good. It's fine. Um <laughs> It's fine. But yes, so after your time at Sheraton, and that was at Sheraton, right? Yep. You went to, what was the other school called? U of T. U of T. That was more like, it was like, like a master's post-grad kind of thing. Um, so that was called the Art and Art History Program, which is a really unique program at University of Toronto. And it is a, it's an honors bachelor's degree. So in Canada, it's a little bit different where it's like we have college, then we have university. Um, college, you can stop there if you want to get a diploma, but then with university, you can get a BA, HBA, which is what I got, or you can get post-grad or a grad, like a graduate, um, enter a graduate program. So, um, so that's where I, I was able to actually transfer some of my art credits from Sheridan to u of t because the the college classes were so rigorous that they're like now nah, you're good you're going to university you're fine <laughs> like they were really intense um and some of the professors i'd walk into their class and be like why are you in a second year class i didn't see you in first year i'm like oh i went to sheridan and they're like okay but the art and art history program was <laughs> a joint program between sheridan and u of t where you can kind of use transfer credits and take your classes at different campuses and kind of bounce around. Uh, so that flexibility was amazing. But yeah, U of T was the art and art history program. And then I took a specialist in design. So that means that I took it every single year. I took typography classes, history of type, um, you know, bookmaking, all of these different streams of and disciplines. So you can kind of explore and have that opportunity to be creative. And it was, um, it was great. It was like I was able, I thought I was wanting to go into art criticism and do that stream, but I actually ended up minoring in anthropology. Um, so that kind of, I didn't realize I was minoring until I took my fifth class and was like, oh, oops, I minored in something I really mean to. It was accidental. <laughs> yeah. So did a double major between uh, visual culture communications, which is what they call design, and then um, have the opportunity to to do a to do a minor in in anthropology. So, oh my gosh, honestly, that kind of goes hand in hand, anyways. Yeah. You know, with what you were doing, I, I think it's good to have that sort of knowledge going into any art field. To be honest with you, so yeah, I mean, a huge part of my education was just having the opportunity to be around different people that weren't just artists, like. Like I, I was able to work at a gallery called Blackwood, uh, which is still thriving to this day, but it was an on-campus gallery 
run by an incredible curator, um, still run by her, but um, I worked there for, for two years and uh, just interacted with people who came from sociology backgrounds or medical backgrounds that became artists. And then you just hear them talk about the world and how they move through it and how they produce uh, produce work. And it really just kind of uh, expands your horizons that you don't have to fit into a, a certain box to to be able to produce art, right? Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> you should go to art school. It was pretty I cool. Know, yeah. Brittany, I know, Brittany. I know. It's not. It's really not too late. But I'm just like I'm 32. I don't know. I need to just figure it out. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're thriving. You're okay. Yeah, I I'm... saw that you did some solo shows, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, Brittany. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> If you have a solo show, you don't need art school, honestly, because that's what everyone's clawing for. So you're good. Oh, my gosh. And speaking of, did you have shows in graphic design? Like, I, I, I feel like I never see those. Yeah, like you have the opportunity in art school to really expand how you show your work. So there could be showcases, which is what happens when you show design. So that's like printed, usually poster um, or editorial work or book design. So we had those showcases every year. And then also um, I took like sculpture for two years and my professors, again, were just really down to earth cool people where you learn how to design something physical. Um, and those would always have a year end show. And what else? Um, yeah, and then I guess your our, our final thesis is presented um, in a, yeah, it'd be called like a year-end show. So we've had the opportunity to do the, that those student sh showcases. Uh, and then sometimes people would also, like sometimes I would show my work, I would do, uh, I would do photography and, and show it in group shows across Toronto or, or Oakville and Etobicoke and those suburbs where people would be, you know, doing their MFA and do a call for artists and then have an opportunity to, to submit my work. So. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Never mind then. See, that's what I'm talking about. Brittany going crazy. <laughs> that's dope. That's dope. Okay, so let's get into it after that part of schooling. So, um, I guess the hardest part about most, you know, with most artists is figuring out how to find work, how to work in that field. Yes. Working as an artist is very hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's very yeah. finding work. So, how did it look after you graduated? So, um, I had this opportunity to interview in. Going into my fourth year of university, I interviewed with a really prominent designer named Nigel Smith, who was very intimidating. Um, but he liked he liked me, I think, <laughs> and I liked him. Um, but he had an open part time internship for the the year that I was in school. So I that opportunity to do an internship although it was unpaid which i don't condone um mm, really opened up my ability to make work and have those real life briefs that give weight and validity to your to your story as a designer so um so i was able to design things for the royal conservatory of music for uh an investment firm called capitalized for kids which 
puts its profits back into social programs for kids. So I was able to be in the room during those briefings, during those collaboration sessions, even as like a newbie that was just graduating. And um, that internship was able to allow me to open up, open up the world to my live portfolio. And then with that book, I started applying for jobs, but it was really competitive at that time. And people just didn't have this hustle culture mentality where you have like a social media presence and you um, you run different side hustles and stuff like that. It was just like you went out and you got a traditional job at an agency or a company. And it was pretty difficult. I got maybe out of a hundred applications, maybe eight interviews and and two offers, but one of the offers was in Germany. So my first job leaving school was Trivago. And, wow. but I was unemployed for four months out of school. Oh. Like it wasn't easy. I was just working part-time and trying to, to make it as a designer and, and uh, work through my nerves and interviews and practice. And that was the, the process. Gosh, interviews. Oh my God. I hate them. <laughs> Well, good thing you started a podcast where you interview people. That's very true, actually. Yes. But you like to do the interviewing, not being interviewed. I know. It's funny. I literally, when I get asked to interview for shows or fringe publications, I'm just like, oh, God, what do I even do? And I'm just like, I should be more comfortable doing this. I do this kind of for a living all the time. Yeah. It's pressure. It is so much pressure, you know, and especially for a job. Like that's like you're trying to literally sell yourself to a person, you know, yep. in like 30 minutes. You know, it's just this is that's so much pressure, and you know, four months of it. This I guess you were hearing a bunch of no's and whatever. Yeah, that's rejection. yeah. I mean, like I had I had some some really challenging interviews. Like I won't name drop the agency, but they're pretty they're pretty big. And they primarily, they have a really multidisciplinary team. So they have designers and digital designers, but they also have in-house anthropologists, um, sociologists, researchers, and it's very, it's very in-depth. It's very intellectual, the work that you'd be doing and, and rigorous mentally. Um, and when I went there for the interview, I was very, I was bubbly and I was like, hey, how are you? And it was very stone-faced serious designers interviewing me Ugh. and when i told them about my program they're like so you didn't go to u of t you like you went to sheridan first and then you like use those credits and they were like doing like the squinty eye very critical kind of and then i tripped up and like got all like oh well i mean like college was good but like university was also pretty good and then i was just repeating myself um and just kept saying um and like and yeah. feeling very sweaty. So yeah, <laughs> I didn't get the job, but hey, you went through it. You got through the process, and this is like you know what, whatever, whatever. There's <laughs> other agencies, there's other opportunities. I'll be okay. Exactly. And here you are. Anyways, <laughs> so you went through the four months, and after the four months, you ended up in Germany, mm-hmm. which is yeah. to me is like I mean you're in Toronto, you're in Canada, whatever. Germany like what (laughs) yeah it was a fluke it was it was very much like an experiment it was a social experiment I was applying for jobs 
and hadn't changed those sweatpants in six days, different sweatpants, but hadn't put on real people clothes, was applying for jobs, uh, and no applying for jobs and then noticing I had like a spelling mistake or addressed it to the wrong place and just feeling kind of down about it, about this, this really taxing thing, because it, it's, it's work applying for jobs, but it's unpaid. Right. So mm -hmm. you, your brain starts scrambling after a while. And after about three months of, of applying and getting interviews, but, um, it, them not going anywhere, I, just went on LinkedIn and Indeed and expanded my application to global, to anywhere. Yes. And, and I just decided to have no fear and apply openly to any job that I saw was like suited to me. So Travago, I applied for communication designer role. There was another one where I applied for a job at Etsy as a creative intern. Mm -hmm. So that was cool. I actually interviewed as well. I didn't get the role, but um, that that's based in Brooklyn and in, in Dumbo. Oh yeah, um, yeah. They have like a they had a really big, beautiful office like overlooking that bridge. So, <sighs> um, yeah. And so so applied to just a lot of different places, um, places in in the U.S. as well as Vancouver, and then some places in Europe um, as well. So uh, yeah, and then from there. I got a email from someone that I kind of thought was spam where they requested me to do a design quiz and like a an, an application kind of test. But I decided to vet the person's name on LinkedIn. They were a real person. They were just basically a recruiter. And I had five days to, to make an infographic on the history of Travago. So they provided a web page that was like the about us. And then they're like, we want you to take this web page, which has lots of text and make it into an infographic. Um, I'd really like to see that. I mean, I don't, I don't even think I have it anymore, but I was able to just have fun with it and be like, there's no pressure, just make something that you think is really beautiful and go for it. So I did. And then about three days later, the creative director on the team was like, Hey, Brittany, we, we love working with Canadians. Uh, you seem to, to have uh, a great package. You know, we would love to interview you further. So I had, um, an in-person interview with her. And then I had another screening with this kind of logistics person where they're like, you know, um, what does a day-to-day -day look like for you as a designer? And they were just asking very poignant questions and trying to gauge, I think, my work ethic and see if I was able to make the move. Um, and then, yeah, after about two interviews, I received a email that uh, just essentially told me that I got the role and that they would help with relocation and, yes. uh, and help me find a place to live and... And that was it. And then I moved. That is so what <laughs> like what's going through your head at that moment? You're just like, okay, I'm going to Germany. Okay. Um, here we go. Yeah. Let me dive into this. So <laughs> were you excited, yeah. nervous? Like, of course you were nervous, but I mean, yeah. what, were you like, just, okay, we're going to do this. I was kind of in shock. Like it, it, when I got the email, I, another pivotal moment in my life, I got the email and I stood up from my desk and I was like, <laughs> uh the fuck like 
And then I was just like walking around like this with my hands up. And uh, my partner, his name's Corey, we're still together. He was upstairs and I I go upstairs. I'm like, Corey, this, I I just got a job offer in, in Germany. And he's like, no, you didn't. Shut up. Like he didn't believe me. And I didn't really believe it either. Um, because as a young designer, you want a job, but it's like, you don't think you're going to get a job abroad. Yeah. Right. So it was just this added excitement of not only did I get a job, but they, they like me enough for me to relocate. Right. So I don't know. That was probably, yeah, one of the, the most special days of my life where it was just really, really exciting. I honestly had no fear really. Like it was a little bit nervous about what the day to day was going to look like. Um, but I was just excited to go. Like I, it sounds kind of callous, but it's like I didn't even shed a tear when I left. My whole family was like, you're going to be gone for so long. And I was like, I love you guys, but I just can't, I can't believe this is my life. Like, it was just very exciting. That's phenomenal. And what year was this? This was in 2016. 2016. Okay. So you're off to Germany. So tell us about yeah. your time there, about your experience, what you created. Like, I, was, <laughs> I want to ask you a thousand questions, but it's good to go through the highlights of it. Yeah. For sure. So uh, working in Germany was a huge culture shock. Uh, German people aren't like Canadians. They're they're polite, um, but they're a little bit more aggressive, more honest. Uh, they uh, have different senses of humor that are more dry. So big culture shock. <laughs> yeah. And um, that just really took me by surprise. Uh, but it was also my first time working in a corporate environment and they're very corporate. They had like 800 employees and they had all staff in meetings where everyone would congregate. They had hackathons, they had free lunches, just everything you can think of, oh. of like a tech company. Um, <laughs> yes. So I, yeah, I think jumping into it, everyone was super nice. I made one of my lifelong friends there uh, named Charlotte. Yes. I was able to sit beside. Yeah, she's so sweet. And, but the work that I was doing was communication design. So, uh, in a, in a general sense, communication design is anything that is relating to a, a communication plan or something that you're trying to convey to like a large group of people. So in Germany, they like to categorize what type of designer you are. So we had like a PowerPoint and slide designer, like a presentation designer. Okay. And then I was communication. And then there was uh, the UI UX team. And then it was very kind of separated. But I did a lot of poster design, a ton of social media design, and also the experience was just very immersive into the culture of Tobago. So they had a lot of, uh, you were able to learn about the technology of what they actually do. And um, yeah, it was challenging a lot of days. Sometimes I would get into this uh, a habit of work where I would like, uh, like in school where I would kind of procrastinate on some of my tasks. But other than that, I kind of kicked that habit pretty quick because of performance reviews and managers and stuff, managing yes. your time and your priorities. Uh, so huge learnings there, but like, don't regret it for a second. It was great. Wow. That's, that's amazing. And everyone kind of, and you can give some real life, you know, experience with this. Is their uh -huh. work-life balance like pretty great? It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I keep hearing that in Europe, you're most European 
you know, jobs over there, like, you actually have a balance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in, in, in Germany, you, the middle class thrives. Like, people just do their job, and then they're able to, uh, they're able to go home and, you know, have a, a, a lovely apartment and, and just kind of do their thing. And it's very separated. People say, like, oh, Germans have this amazing work ethic, and they're, they hit the grindstone, but um, but it's actually like they do work extremely hard and they're very focused between nine and five. They don't like to to um, mess around in in those work hours and you'll like or even like really joke around. But uh, at least from what I've noticed, but after 5 p.m. they just they want to they have like a passion for living their life, if that makes sense. I love that. That's how it should be. be <laughs> I <serious>. know. <laughs> be serious in those nine of, in those hours. Yes. Be productive. Be focused. Be determined. When five o'clock hits, yo, let's go have some fun. Let's relax. Let's yeah. let's chill. Yeah. None of this overtime BS. Like, let's cut this off. Yep. That's exactly. great. Oh, I bet that was so wonderful. And you were working it. So wait, first of all, any of the work that's on your site right now was that from that time period? Yeah. So there's a there's a Travago. Uh, case study there, yes. which is great. We were able to, the, the kind of capstone or thesis project, the biggest one that I worked on um, was called ITB, which is a German term. Uh, it's a it's an acronym for a German uh, travel fair. Mm -hmm. But essentially we worked on experiential uh, design, which is like physical design. So uh, was able to design a pin uh, spin the wheel and just kind of games and communicating our our offerings for this piece of software called hotel manager so oh, yes. almost like facebook business uh where you have facebook as the main platform but then you also have other offerings that are built into that that software where we have travago as the the hero product but then hotel manager was able gave hotel managers and hoteliers the opportunity to manage bookings and stuff like that. So um, that was a really big launch that we did. And this international travel fair was, you know, a million people were, were going and um, over a week period. And that's what we, what we worked on. So that design was a huge part of that. Um, and then some other things like some viral kind of postcard, uh, things that we were able to send out and mass produce as well as something that's not on my site, but we were able to do this, another experiential uh, design project where we essentially gave people, we made 400 costumes of that look like Polaroids yeah. and the design department just basically made 400 of them and then disseminated them across, across the company. So it was very hands-on. Uh, a lot of fun, a lot of physical design as well. Wow, that's phenomenal. For So I see on the site, you had the Travago, the whole page for it. Um, so pretty much everything that's on this page you made, like the animation, Hotel Shanghai, you made all this. Yeah, totally. Phenomenal. And did, the trade show, did you go to the trade shows? Looking for a way to reduce your carbon footprint and make a positive impact on the environment? Look no further than Lightfoot Company. Our refillery and sustainable home goods store in Savannah, Georgia is dedicated to helping you reduce your use of plastic and single-use products. 
from reusable water bottles and bags to bulk eco-friendly cleaning products and personal care items, we have everything you need to live a more sustainable lifestyle. Plus, our friendly staff and knowledgeable staff is always available to help you make informed choices and find products that are right for you. So why wait? Visit Lightfoot Company today and start making a difference. No, it was in a different part of, of Germany. I uh, wasn't able to, to finagle a ticket, but yeah, yeah. pretty yeah this is beautiful work and i can say this for all your work on your site which everyone listening should go look at like it it's all so different like nothing looks closely the same at all it's just it's so uh impressive it's really cool <laughs> yes yes awesome um so yes yeah, so obviously your time in germany so how long was that that was about nine months so i had a initial probation period and then my uh my six month uh contract was kind of extended and then because it was an internship i decided to end it after that period and and come home and try and cut my teeth in toronto and missing family and stuff like that oh yeah you're forever away from home and holidays yeah. and stuff like that so i'm sure you definitely you know want to go back <laughs> yeah <laughs> totally that's, a, that's amazing so after your time there you say you obviously said cut your teeth here in Toronto. Oh, they're in Toronto. Did you ever think about going just strictly freelance, or did you want to go back to a company? I think I just needed to learn more. I I had confidence in my skill after that period. It was so transformational. Like less than a year seems like a drop in a bucket, but uh, being only twenty three or had just turned twenty three, it was just so transformational and really you know cemented my my a desire and passion for design and the the combination of of commerce and art really is met in the center of uh, of design for me personally so after after that i was able to come back and get a job uh pretty quickly at a boutique agency in in liberty village which is downtown toronto and, and uh yeah it was it was okay but it was very difficult, yeah, working there. Okay, yeah. so tell us how why difficult. I think it was just, um, it was, I learned a lot about how having a creative director that is too focused on, on producing what their vision is and not necessarily for the good of the work or the, the agency, that really i think stifled me after a few years so after after a while i decided to bounce from that agency but um i feel like i learned a lot i worked quite a lot in in real estate so working across toronto and launching condominiums and stuff like that but again that's not where my passions were lying because really at the end of the day you're your client is a billionaire, so you're, you're like <laughs> this. <Yeah. laughs> you're like a cog in this huge machine that, and you feel very kind of replaceable. And I, I think it goes in tandem with like wanting to make really great work, but not feeling valued, um, which is so crucial to this. Like being a designer is kind of emotionally taxing, and mm. it takes takes brain power. And uh, you're putting your ideas out there, and you're collaborating with a lot of different personalities every single day so you have to make sure that the environment is really supportive and positive and if it's not then it's like you're you start questioning if you if it's even what you want to do so 
Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And was that with the the mosaic? Mm mm. That was Gladstone Media. That was Gladstone. Okay. Yes. That was Gladstone. And then okay. Gotcha. And then out there, that was um, High Twelve. Uh. So, yeah. So that was High Noon, and um, that was an incredible opportunity that like really launched me into a different space of design. So, Perfect. uh, and and if we're talking about the chronology of what I did. I worked at this boutique agency, uh, did some great work, but didn't love it. And then was able to jump right into a startup called High Noon, which created, which built brands for cannabis. So uh, there's something called the Green Rush in Canada, which basically meant that all of these brands and these creative ideas around cannabis were emerging and going, like everyone was going wild for, for creative branding and and creative products in the in the cannabis space so edibles wow. uh drinks everything you can imagine oils different carriers that kind of thing so i left that boutique agency to really carve out a space for myself and own being lead designer um and you'll see a bunch of that work in my portfolio as well so that was high noon oh my gosh high noon <laughs> that's a great name <laughs> Yeah, I've been seeing that great. boom happen because is that because is is uh marijuana legal in Canada like straight legal? Yeah. Okay, yeah. gotcha. So I'm sure seeing that boom was insane there. Oh my god! Yes, yes, it was insane. Like they had a lottery system for dispensaries to even open up, so you'd have all this real this hot commodity real estate be like opening up these. <clears throat> Uh, these super busy dispensaries and then you had legacy which we call black market weed or just people who sold weed before it was legal legacy brands and being pushed out or being fined like five hundred thousand dollars so it was like the wild west there was no policies around it um the government launched it without any really strict regulations and then there was this uh working in design your chain to regulatory rules otherwise your designs cannot be out in public right yes so yeah learned a lot oh my god i'm sure okay i'm sure it was crazy to adapt to but hey you did it that's awesome so you were there for a brief period and then yes. that's when you scooted to in 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 between all of this were you doing any freelancing yeah totally so i was able to work with a lot of small businesses and create a really symbiotic relationship between uh, being a creative partner and making sure my vision came to life with uh, these people that were more purpose-driven. So working with psychologists uh, and working with, you know, yoga instructors that have like a trauma-informed practice Mm -hmm. or working with sustainable businesses that produce non-toxic lunch bags and tote bags and consumer products that don't focus on um, overconsumption and really just kind of cherry pick what I was able to um, to really be passionate about and excited for and then really own projects so typically come in and do branding work for them wow damn so your your hands are definitely full but that's a good segue (laughs) because I want to hear about just your approach to these clients when they come at you, you know, with these, you know, I guess commissions or with these, you know, problems you need to solve for them as far as branding. 
So can you maybe run us through like how, I guess from start to finish of how the process is working with these brands and creating something um, that works for them? Yeah, so usually um, I get a lot of my design work through referrals. So it's a slow burn or it was a slow burn where, you know, you do a project and it works out amazingly. And then they kind of refer you in their own network of people that that um, that need help with with launching their business. And uh, it's a lot of education. So that's the part that I love about it in terms of creative consulting, fancy word for, uh, at least for me, of basically being able to explain the design process from start to finish and and walk them through it and really support this business owner in launching. So it's a lot of like marketing and um, strategy and design strategy that goes involved, that's involved with also producing the design. So. The process usually starts with a discovery call, so establishing who their audience is, where their pain points are, and why they're coming to me, really getting to the root of that. Um, like, you don't need a design, you need you don't need a website, you need a complete overhaul of your communication strategy, and the website is the, is the product, is the end product. Um, or, you know, you don't necessarily need one logo, you need a design system that can support your business going forward as you scale all your employees right so um, that's what i'm able to assess from the very beginning and then through the process it's really just uh, very hands-on in-person meetings talking through designs um talking through different creative territories uh, tapping into what they're really excited about and and if it's realistic for them to actually use the brand and just kind of building that story for them and from there, we kind of move into ex execution phase. So that process is typically uh, creative presentations and then um, iterating on that and then producing assets for them. Absolutely. And obviously you, you broke it down very greatly for us, but I want to say like, when you look at a, usually when you look at a brand's logo, so much, yeah. everything is, is so on purpose, like from the colors to the shapes of maybe the the, the letters, to this and that, it's, it's all done on purpose. And hearing a designer, you know, talk behind the scenes about it, it's just so cool, <laughs> you know, because sometimes it's a very drawn out and very complex process. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, it's a very, it it's so, it's so true that it is very, it's very purposeful. Every intention, I mean, if you're, if you're a good designer or you like it, every intention should be, um, should move with purpose and and you know have meaning and it's it doesn't necessarily mean like finding poetry in a, a certain um, photograph or a certain typeface, but it's about the the deep history of typographic choices or the certain stylistic choices of uh, partnering with photographers and other creatives. So that whole process to me is design even though it's not always pixel pushing. So you're designing this whole story and this 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 brand narrative um, where you can really get your hands dirty and work with a lot of different people in order to, you know, in order to make something great and something that, that has meaning. Yeah, absolutely. And have you uh, worked with any clients where you kind of, there was some tension or you keep button heads on maybe, you know, you weren't agreeing on how an outcome should come or has it all been pretty smooth? Yeah, I mean, I have I have lots of stories like that where the it's usually the the kind of traditional way that you disagree with someone is they don't the client wants to play it safe. 
So that is a really hard thing, Um, especially I'm sure you've experienced that doing any commercial photography or work for for people where they want to they don't they want to stay in their safe place because it's what's been working. But if what's been working was working, they wouldn't be hiring you. Right. So. So I think it's like, yeah, having a bit of bravery and courage to stand up for your work and to disagree with someone who might be a subject matter expert in their field and having the the wherewithal to to stand up for your work. Um, but in terms of a story, I had a client who was um, a consultant in social media. So she was very savvy with technology and metrics and actually you know, making something viral and and scaling clients. And she was just very marketing savvy. And I feel like she was a bit of a, she was so uptight with her own vision that um, it ended up going into like seven rounds of, of design. And then by that time, you're like fatigued with each other. And it's, you know, it can happen. Yep. It, but but as a freelancer and a business owner, because I, I ran it as a business, you know, we had weekly check-ins, we set a cadence, but by the 12th week and the seventh round, um, you start to just kind of see like, do I just cut my losses? Because at this rate, you're kind of losing money, they're not happy. And, you know, it's just a part of a whole learning experience of, you know, once you get to a third round, you have to intervene. And like I was saying, advocate for yourself, but also advocate for great work. And once I, I in that third round of, of iteration with this kind of client from hell, um, I should have just stepped in and been like, are you really happy? Like, what are we really doing here? Yeah, seriously, <laughs> you know? absolutely. I mean, you gotta be aggressive in, this, in that field for sure. Cause I mean, you don't waste your time. You don't waste their time. It's just like, yo, what are we doing? Maybe we need to part ways or you need to find someone else or we gotta come to some solution. So yeah, yeah I'm, I figured that you've had had that experience, and it's, it's going to happen again. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> it's never ending. <laughs> oh gosh. So okay, back on track to you know the agencies you're working for. So after the um, high noon, we were at. What was after that? So after after high noon, that that came to an end really amicably. Uh, I was able to partner with my my partner Corey who is also a creative director so it it felt like it was time for me to move on and then I I got a a job at Mosaic as a senior designer and that's where I was working under an amazing uh amazing creative directors and design directors Dave Watson Nick Pilon Isabella Mellon like all these people that have such a rich um have such a rich history of experience in design and especially experiential design and really learn what it was what it was like to work at a huge organization with multi-million dollar projects Mm. and was able to redesign a building uh, on park avenue actually two of them uh and yeah we we are one of our huge clients was a a real estate company called Tishman's Buyers. So they are kind of a sleeper hit uh, company where they they own a lot of real estate, but they're not greedy about it. They try and honor the history of, of buildings and spaces, and they have 
a huge hand in creating affordable rental uh, spaces as well. So that was the difference between that boutique agency I was at to this one is that it was really just about more purpose-driven design as it relates to a city's history or kind of honoring those spaces. Um, so that was super rewarding. And then that's where I was able to work with with Samsung and, and do a lot of um, interesting work there. So I looking through your work, I mean, that's a, those are just such huge like <laughs> companies. I'm just it, me knowing someone that's worked for companies like that. And I've had friends in the past who work for these companies, but it's like, I'm just like, how do you, how does that feel to work with, I mean, juggernauts? I mean, were there any sort of, obviously you've had tons of experience from this, you know, from everything you've done in the past, but were you just very confident getting those jobs or like, what was going through your head working for companies like that? Well, I got the job and then two months later we went fully remote. So it was a, oh. it was a big, it was a big change. Um, but I think as a designer, you for me the biggest learning working with these these juggernaut clients and these really smart capable successful sometimes wealthy people or just you know people with phds and just schmoozing with them one you have to work through your imposter syndrome and know that like your voice matters in meetings and two being open to really learning um learning how to speak about your design and also advocate for your design. So as a senior designer or a lead designer, design director, that was the biggest learning for for me in that environment where you're schmoozing with people, but trying to remind yourself and get comfortable with exposing your work to people that are you know, industry professionals or have a lot of knowledge about about what you're designing against and just being open to failing in that way and presenting your work and and really um questioning your the purpose behind your choices and making sure again that intent is easy to say like this is this thing or you know um move beyond subjectivity and say objectively i know that this means this um but designing using that headspace against a really complex brief is a huge is a huge challenge for sure yeah yeah absolutely and you know like i said before even with school it's good to be challenged so it's good to get those big those, those big accounts you know it's like yeah. hey this is what you've been preparing for yeah so totally. gosh on park avenue that's pretty dang cool <laughs> that's awesome yeah. have you been um, yeah, I've been in New York a few times. Okay, awesome. Oh, but to those buildings, to, exactly? Yeah, to buildings. No, no, oh. all remote. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> man, I mean, you know, remote is awesome. You know, I, was that around the, was that around COVID times? Yeah. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. And that was obviously, I keep, honestly, sometimes I keep forgetting that happened. And that was a huge, <laughs> a huge deal for everyone involved. And wow. Yeah. I'm happy you were able to adapt and go remote because that would have been devastating. But obviously, you're able to adapt to that, so that's that's pretty amazing. Totally. Yes, and then the next one's with your and obviously I have all this written down. So, <laughs> with your partner, co-founder, was that busy year? 
Um, so Bezier is still ongoing Bezier. and that's kind of like my freelance work that uh, that I do with uh, I partnered with a design with a developer. So Bezier is uh, just kind of an ongoing almost a collective of other art directors and designers and developers where we take on bigger projects in an ad hoc way. So we're not like, oh, Bezier is um, is meeting every single week. It's kind of like we get these leads and then we partner together and kind of split it equally. So from oh, a collective mindset. That's awesome. Yeah, oh my it's pretty cool. Yes, I mean, I'm trying to figure out where you had the time to do all the stuff, but I mean, <laughs> we find the time. That's great. <laughs> That's cool. So what all, what um, highlights um, for Bezier? Like what, what have you done or what has been like a big moment in that experience so far? Um, so I was able to, well, currently we're working on Toronto Kidney Center, which Sick. is like nephrologists and um, incredibly intelligent people that work with um, with kidney research and, and those who are on dialysis and revolutionizing how people receive care. And we are developing a a website that um, you know it was on hold during COVID, but it's kicked back up. Where we're able to to kind of partner with them and uh, and yeah, just develop content strategies and a and a website that showcases uh, you know their their content, their research, and also does some a patient portal too. So that's kind of what we have on the go right now. Oh my gosh, how long do you think that process will will go on for? It seems like a pretty Development will probably take like 16 weeks, like 12 to 16 okay, weeks. Yeah, and then we did the branding a, a little while ago. So hopefully that will launch pretty soon and then I'll be able to to share it. Because again, that's that purpose-driven design that is really um, gets me excited. So partnering with them was kind of like a no-brainer. Yeah, absolutely. And did they find you guys or vice versa? they they found us yeah that's awesome because i was gonna ask like do you ever send maybe you know some cold emails saying hey i think i have an idea of how to bring your brand you know maybe a little rebrand is in order for you know whatever no, you i kind of just i, I kind of just am able to tap tap my network if i if i need more work um but also have some clients on retainer for my own personal freelance or business outside of Bezier where that that keeps me busy and keeps me excited okay oh that's amazing yeah. great deal <laughs> and then of course you go into actually I have some uh, more questions because I have a couple um I went to your website extensively a lot but um some of these brands you work with are really cool I just want to get the story behind it so with Lucid work Kalani yeah so when was when was that so that was through a connection with High Noon. So we oh, were okay. able to, yeah, we were we were connected through um, YG, who she was dating, and this, um, you know, this kind of relationship formed where we were able to pitch this work for a CBD cosmetic brand, and um, yeah, it was it was amazing. Okay, that was going through. It was beautiful. I was like, wow, what in the world? Like Kalani, like that's, that's obviously you work with a bunch of huge, you know, companies and people, anyways. But like, I was like, man, that was really, really dope. And and then the um, one more, just one more, the Bangkok Garden, because I thought that was really cool too. So when did that come? So that was, um, I think it was called Feeding Farmers 
feeding families or something like that. Let me just look it up super quick yeah, do you think? while we talk it through. But uh, so that that was called Meals to Heal, which was keeping kids fed. That's what the the I guess call to action was, and that was developed over kind of as a pro bono project but i ended up loving the the creative execution of it where we developed a editorial cookbook that was for sale in order to support frontline uh workers so doctors nurses and we're able to make donations in order to in order to develop this kind of initiative um and these restaurants that were in toronto in toronto were able to donate their recipes for these iconic dishes and then we included them in this in this cookbook yo that sounds that's very fulfilling work yeah yeah so it's very cool that you're able to you know still do work that means a lot to you and it's not just mundane whatever it's just like most of these projects are very cool <laughs> so yeah there's a lot of diversity in my work which i really seek out i don't like pigeonholing myself or getting kind of stuck in one place um you know some people thrive in that type of environment the the safety and stability of of honing one area but i like to, to touch a lot of different industries and and you know just explore and you know learn from from other people and learn from those clients yeah absolutely and sure each project you learn something new which is great um yeah. yes and you're finally we're going to get to your your visual design lead um at huge yes this is your current role yes yeah so talk about maybe briefly about you know what that is and we'll you know get to maybe because you're, you're mentoring as well at george brown yep um you're mentoring teaching there a little bit so we'll talk about a little bit of that too and then we'll we'll get out of here Cool. Yeah, so Huge is a amazing company that has a lot of different clients. They're pretty global. Um, they went fully remote about a year ago. But uh, right now I'm doing, I'm a visual design lead. So that is a, a role that really is able to uh, mentor and kind of lead design teams across a lot of different um types of projects. So right now, for example, I'm working on a design system for Google that is launching in the at the end of 2023. And that is going to support their entire ads team. So we're launching in, in English first, and then it'll be global. Uh, but, you know, huge is amazing, because it just opens up those opportunities for um, for those global clients like Lego or Google or Samsung or, um, you know, all the, this diverse client roster to just really make work that is transformational, right? So yeah. um, clients like like McDonald's that we know and love kind of <laughs> uh, making their their loyalty app and just able to to work on on these kind of really big north star capstone projects and have that that budget and that know-how behind it so it's yeah it's really fulfilling really fulfilling for sure that's so cool i mean it's just seeing you just jump around to all this and explaining there's a lot we obviously can't talk about there's not enough time um in the day but very impressed that's very very cool thank you yes absolutely thank you so much. Do, do you ever have any obviously with um 
you're already you're kind of already have like your co-founder of your own company now but do you ever wish to maybe open up maybe your own studio or your own practice one day down the road yeah it's definitely been on my mind having that having that flexibility to um to really build client relationships is the next step for me right i think that that's a natural progression of of what i want to do to prove kind of prove people wrong and the way that i've been underestimated and then also kind of that in a way believe in yourself and believe in in a way that i could do it um so yeah it's definitely a dream to have that to have so much autonomy where you really just have that open future for yourself to get those clients and work in design so most definitely it's as it's an aspiration for sure absolutely and i have full confidence you'll get to wherever you want to go um <laughs> so with mentoring and teaching so you're doing this at george brown and another place too something list so that's adp list okay yeah. yes so so that's a a network of mentors that work and give uh portfolio advice or interview tips or just design advice critiques uh really anything um to a worldwide network of of designers and and creatives so that's what adp is and then with george brown i was able to to work with their new grad network to mentor and help them uh find jobs and, and placements in design so I love that's it. what i've been doing and it's it's a lot of fun i have a passion for teaching and um just the the culture of design and, and what it takes to become a designer and i love giving giving young fledglings some tips on how to make their book better and all that stuff absolutely and you, i can see you being a very honest but very great mentor you know oh. in that field because obviously that was that happened to you so yeah yeah the but... mentors along the way are just really what made me like you know my partner Corey, who's a creative director people like uh dave watson and nigel smith that really uh help pave that way and and give me the honest criticism that i that i needed to be better yeah yeah and i love that you kind of gave flowers to different people along this whole journey because we can't do it by ourselves so yes so i'm honored that you're on this show i'm honored we made it happen i'm grateful for your patience because i know if we try to do this a couple times and stuff has kept coming up but you know i'm happy i'm happy it happened in this transition in my life too to a new place so um i'm very grateful for your time Brittany. thank you so much yeah it was awesome thank you so much for all your really in-depth questions and you know your your honest and lovely lovely presence yes absolutely and also you can support Brittany. she has a website um with merch i discovered you have merch today beautiful 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 prints i'm gonna get one myself i'm so stoked that's <laughs> my, my new room um and also are you taking on clients right now yes totally so open for commissions or um for client work so please look through the site it's beautiful i mean all your work on there is just so vibrant and lovely um but yeah support britney support the show and we both thank you for listening to this conversation um stay on the line um after i end this britney um but yes um rate review the podcast send it to your friends i need more sponsors so i can feed my kids um i don't have any kids but you know my future kids (laughs) but yes britney thank you again and i'll talk to you soon bye thank you so much the free pizza podcast we are on spotify itunes 
SoundCloud. Just go on the Google App Store. Go on everywhere. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, MySpace, Live Journal, Twitter. We tweet. We'll do smoke sniggles. Whatever y'all need. Thank y'all so much. Have a good night.